Well, I have a few minutes to share with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, we'll go to Psalms chapter 105. Psalms 105, just a few things I'd like to share with you this morning. So glad you're here. want to remind you while you're looking, don't forget to come tonight. We have some meat of the Word we want to share with you. Excited about the Word the Lord's put on my heart to share with you tonight. Also, don't forget intercession on Tuesday nights and uh, church on Wednesday nights. We're studying on discipleship. This Wednesday, we will be studying the famous messages of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're His disciples. And so, it's going to be great this Wednesday. I want to encourage you. It's going to be good tonight. It's going to be good this morning. Amen. So I want to share a few things with you out of the Word of God because it's His Word and it's His Word to you and His Word to you and I. And it says in Psalms 105 verse 17, it says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters and was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. And it says, and the king sent and released him, and the ruler of the people let him go free. Now, I just want to stop right there. It says that the word of the Lord tested him. And as I was praying, I feel like we have gone through a time where right now it's like we have the mantle of Joseph. We're in a place of Joseph right now where many things have happened. And you may be in your life where you feel like, I feel like I'm in a pit. And if we could go ahead and put the overhead on that I want to show you today, moving from the pit into our dreams. And I just want, you, you can identify many times with this, that how many times have you felt like you were in a pit? I know Sister Judy was in a hospital room, and that many times feels like a pit. When, when you're in there, the, the times you feel alone, the times you're going through things. You may be going through a divorce, have gone through a divorce, and you may feel like you're alone and no one really understands. Maybe people have told you you should have tried harder, and you're blaming yourself for many things. Wherever you may find yourself today, maybe a business that failed, a relationship that failed, but just like Joseph in the relationships that seemed to fail, he said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And God is going to do something good in your life and he's going to restore you and he's going to bless you. But I want to just speak to you for just for a few moments this morning about the area of the pit of affliction. Why are these things happening to me? What is happening? You know, the greater the level or the call in your life or the greater the dream the stronger the word that the Lord may have on your house, on your life, many times the greater the afflictions or the trials that you go through. The Bible says in Hebrews 5.11, although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And you know, many times we go through things and we don't quite understand why we're going through them or what is happening in our lives. But what I want to share with you this morning is that God, the, the more that God has for you, many times the greater the trials and the testings you go through. Because, you know, if you take the life of Joseph, and I just, just want you to hear this. If you take the life of Joseph, he spent 13 years from pit to pit. Look at your neighbor and say, pit happens. Pit happens. That sometimes, you know, you just go from pit to pit and you wonder, what am I doing in this pit? Why am I in this pit? I need to get out of this pit. And, you know, you wonder, why am I here? But you know what? Let me share something with you. Joseph was in the pit for 13 years. From pit to pit, prison to prison. He forgotten, abandoned. He was betrayed by his brothers. But after 13 years of the pit, he spent the rest of his 80 years in the palace. And I started thinking, you know, think about this. Joseph was destined for the palace, but he had to go through the pit. David spent 21 years running from Saul. He was destined for the palace, but he had to go through the pits. Esther was called to the palace, 
But she had to go through some pits. And then I thought about Jonah. You know, the pit builds character. The pit builds integrity. The pit challenges your vision. And I think about Jonah. You know, Jonah was told to go preach in Nineveh. And he says, I'm going to run away. I can hear Jonah sounded just like a uh, 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 grump. What's his name? Uh, Forrest Grump. Forrest Gump. I can run like the wind. And God says, you want the wind? I'll send you a wind. And they threw him out and it says the Lord prepared a fish to swallow him up. And he was in the whale's belly for three days. But let me tell you something, church. Listen, you might have been going through pits for many years. Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days. And he prayed a good prayer, but his character didn't change. Jonah had the greatest revival in the Old Testament. He had more converts. He won the entire city. He had more converts, I think, than any other evangelist in the, or prophet in the Old Testament. But you know what? He had a character flaw. And after he, he went reluctantly to preach to the people uh, over there in Nineveh and the whole city got saved, he went sat under a tree and he was angry, wasn't he? It brought, his anger came out and then he got mad at God. And then what did he do? He says, God, won't you just kill me? And the Jonah chapter 4 ends with God speaking because Jonah lost his place to have a voice. Why? Three days really wasn't enough. I'll take you to King Saul. King Saul hid among the baggage. He had false humility. He thought he was humble. But when he gained power, which he gained one of the greatest tests that Joseph passed, and many don't, he, when he got power, it showed that success went to his head. And we find that the king saw, how did he end his life? Suicide. I'd rather be in the pit and go through the pits a long time, but yet in my race well, than go through the pits a short time, get rescued out, ended up failing and messing up my future. You hear me, church? You see, there's a saying that goes, promotion will only last long. If character is stronger. And you know, we want promotion and we want to go forward and we want to be blessed. But the thing about it is, is I'd rather stay in the pit as long as I need to. So that when I get God promotes me out and he has the only one who can promote me out. That I don't have to worry that somehow in the future I'm going to mess up because I wasn't in the pit long enough. Joseph was in the pit for 13 years. But when he got rescued, he headed toward the palace. You may say, why am I going through this? The Bible, God knows how long you and I need to stay in the different tests and pits that we go through. Because he knows what our character and what our heart is made out of. How many know that Jesus is looking for precious metal? He says in Proverbs that he will test us as silver or gold. Why? Because he says he wants to test our heart. If Joseph would have stayed in the pit for only three years... Joseph might have messed up with Potiphar's wife. He might have messed up in the prison. He had plenty of opportunity in 13 years to say, I'm forgotten and I quit. And listen, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you in the pit so that you'll lay your gift down and you'll forget about your future. But listen, all the betrayal, all the hurt, all the pain, all the forgetfulness, all the loneliness, all the rejection, all the things that Joseph went through did not steal his dream. Even though they said, now that you're in the pit, what will become? of your dream. It was because the anointing
anointing was not in the covering. The anointing was in the heart. The favor wasn't on the mantle. The favor was in the heart because he has a heart after God. And even David, even though he had a heart after God, maybe he wasn't in the pit long enough because when he had the success, he got lazy and he fell into sin. How many of you know God wants to build character in us so that when he does bless and he does use us, when we're broken, then he is able to give us to the people. It says that Joseph, they hurt his feet with arms and they, they crushed his feet and they put his feet and his ankles and his wrist in arms. How many of you know one translation says they put his feet in fetters and his ankles, his, his wrist in arms until iron, listen to this, entered into his soul. Amplified Bible says that iron entered his soul. Listen to this. Whatever you're surrounded by, whatever you're going through, can go in you. If you're going through a time of bitterness and disappointment, bitterness will not just attack you on the inside. Bitterness will go on the inside. You can either choose forgiveness to go inside of you or you can choose love to go inside of you. You can choose unforgiveness to go inside of you or you can choose forgiveness to go inside of you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, somehow wants to get on the inside of you. And God is building a character and a resistance to be able to resist the evil and choose the good. Amen. Whatever is coming against you. You know, they say, what God? You know, you hear people say, man, what God? What God in him? That's exactly right. What did he allow to get in him? Man, he's going through all this, and yet he's so sweet and so lovable. Man, what got in him? The love of God. But then he's walking around, and she's walking around angry. She's bitter, and she's resentful. What got, what's up with her? What got in her? That's exactly right. What she was going through got inside of her. That's why the Bible says, above all things, guard the heart. Why? Because out of the heart flows the issues of life, or you will reap from the issues of life. Have you ever felt like you were in a pit? You know, one thing's about that what God was doing. You know, Jonah was remembered for missing. You know, the prophet Elijah, he spent three years in the desert, in the wilderness. When he had his opportunity, he came out, he killed the 450 prophets of Baal. He shook, shook a nation, was mightily used of God. Then when he got word about Jezebel, he ran back into the wilderness and he cried under a tree, God, kill me. And the Lord didn't kill him, but the Lord says, I'll take your mantle and I'll put it upon the one I'm going to show you to replace you. Because you will not be able to finish what I called you to do. But I'll have another one rise up who will do what I called you to do. How many know we don't want that? Today, when you think about, you know, Richard Nixon, you think about Watergate. When you think about Bill Clinton, you don't think about all the good things that happened. You think about the blue dress that's on sale on eBay. They got about 2,050 blue dresses on eBay for sale. When you think about today, young people... Jacobs, you're a baseball player. When you watch TV and you hear about all these baseball players breaking these records, but then they do the study and they say, wait a minute, they had steroids. They were known for breaking records, but then it came to the light that they broke the records because of steroids. Therefore, they didn't break any records. They've got to give the record back. Oh, I'd rather stay in the pit. And come out genuinely real, genuinely ready. Then walk around taking steroids and say, I broke so-and-so's record. Look, Babe Ruth didn't have no steroids. He had heart and he had muscle. And he just swung at anything that came his way. 
These today breaking records. Even this young lady who broke the Olympic record and she ended up giving her gold medals back and her bronze medals back because she said, I can't sleep and live with myself. I won these. Yeah, I won them, but I didn't win them genuinely. I was on pills and I was on steroids and that's the way I won them. How many of you know there's only one way to do it and that's God's way? Amen. How about Martha Stewart? Woman can cook anything except the books. How are these people remembered? How are we remembered? Even when I see her on TV now, oh, that's nice and, you know, you need to comb your hair and everything. But uh, you think about all kind of different stuff, but you think about how was it in prison? You know, you cooked everything, but you couldn't cook the books. The books told the truth. How many know that you say, Lord, when am I going to get out of this pit? He says, when you're ready to run the distance. Amen. So God's doing a work within us, and many times we don't understand it, but He is doing a work in us. Why? Because how many of you know, it's not just the word we speak, it's the message we live. God used His servants in the Bible to speak a message through their life. He told the prophet Hosea, He told the prophet to marry the prostitute. Now, do you think that went against God's word? Yes, but it didn't go against God's will. Why? He says, I just don't want to send a message. I want the life to be the message that Israel, no matter how many times you go back, I'm willing to take you back. No matter how many times you go a-whoring after other gods and serve other gods, even as Hosea, the prophet Hosea, went forth over and over again to take Gomer back, I want to show you not just through a word, I want to show you through a life how much I love you and how much I care. And you know what America needs today? There's plenty of words on radios, on TVs, and behind pulpits. But what America needs today, he needs lives. And we sung it today, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. You know what that means? Total ownership. That he owns me. It's not I that live, but Christ who lives within me. That means total ownership. That means, God, if I'm in this pit and, and, and you're not getting me out, I'm still going to love you just as much in the pit as out of the pit. Because I do know that when I'm in the pit, I'm coming out of the pit when you say I'm ready to go. Let my life be a message. Let my marriage be a message. Let this church be a message. Let the homes be a message. Let us be genuine and true. Then America can say, well, words are cheap. That's right, words are cheap. But we're just not words. There's lives all over this congregation that the truth has been planted in the heart of God's people to live up and not just speak the message of God, but be the message of God. You know, it's easy to get up and say, your best days are ahead. You're going to have the most wonderful life and everything's going to be wonderful for you. They tell you that. But what do you do when you run up in the pit? And I thought, that preacher told me I was going to have a wonderful life and my best days are now and I'm in the pits. I tell you what. Everybody goes into pits. Everybody feels the pain and the sting. That what is happening in my life? What is going on? I feel like I'm losing control. How am I going to fix this? What are we going to do? God is trying to teach His people to be totally dependent on Him. Joseph could not save himself. But God was with him through it all to save him. I will not faint in the land of the living because my God shall bless me and I shall go forward. We saw last week Paul was going to Rome. 
And his, he went through a shipwreck. And, you know, first of all, you know, we get words and we get promises. And we go, praise God, I'm going to be debt free. I'm, I'm healed. I'm not never going to be sick another day in my life. My children never be sick. And, oh, thank God for this word. And Paul got this word. You're going to Rome and you're going to get before Caesar. And you're going to tell Caesar about me. Oh, praise God, I got a word. But he didn't know he was going to have to go through 14 days with no food, shipwrecked, dog paddling, and then snake bit. Lord, you gave me a word. Yeah, the word comes to pass after the word has tried you to be worthy to live the word. The word will become flesh if we allow it. And that's where the church will be known. Amen. So we see here God is doing this work. And look with me in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I want to show you something here. Because I want to encourage you. Somebody said, well, you ain't doing too good a job right now. (laughs) Just wait. Just wait. Galatians chapter 6. I want to answer a question. How many know David was a man after God's own heart? How many know Joseph was a pure young man? Resisted the temptation. How many know you hear and read about all these great men and women of God in the Bible? Why did they go through the things they went through? Why do you go through the things you go through? How many of you have ever heard that scripture? A man's gift will make room for himself and bring him before great men. How many of you have ever heard that scripture? The message translation says it this way. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift gets attention. A man's gift gets attention. And I want to read to you in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Look at your neighbor and say, don't you give up. Don't you give up. Now look at verse 11. You know what's happening here? The Jews are wanting to compromise with the Christians. The Jews came in, if you read the other verses, the Jews came in and they said... We'll accept Jesus and we'll accept this Christianity thing, but you've got to still get circumcised. And it says here that Paul heard about it in verse 11. You know, he had Luke who would write his letters for him. He would talk and Luke would write it down. But in verse 11, Paul says, give me that pen and paper. He says, notice with large letters, I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. He says, I'm not going to have somebody write this. I'm writing this and I'm going to make sure the letters are bold. They're coming and they're telling you another gospel and they're telling you it's by works and they're telling you other laws. He says, I got something to tell you and I'm writing it myself. Ain't nobody writing this for me. Ain't nobody having to speak this for me. I'm speaking. I'm writing it from the Spirit of God. And it says in verse 12, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle, that they are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. Listen to this now. 
For I bear in my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. The King James says, my body bears the marks. You say, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why have I gone through what I've gone through? It's because you're a marked man and a marked woman of God. The devil doesn't want you going before great men. The devil doesn't want to see you glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. And so when you get born again and you get a word of God and you start going to church and you start getting excited about the word and you start getting the things of the spirit, the devil marks you. But Paul says, you want to talk legalism? You want to talk religion? You want to talk laws? I'll take my coat off and I'll show you circumcision has no avail to the scars and the marks I bear in my body. It says in 2 Corinthians, he says, I was whipped three times, 39 times by a rod. I was shipwrecked. I was stoned. I was left for dead. I was beaten. I was in prison. I was in shipwreck three times and a whole day and night I stayed in the water. He says, you want to talk about reality? I bear in my body the marks. And when we start living for Christ and we start going through persecution and we start binding the devil and we start singing about the blood of Jesus as we did today and we start pleading the blood of Jesus and we start saying no to sin and we start rising with a character that God is building within our life and we stop saying, I say right now, I will not go to feeble religious ways. I will not bow to just being a seeker-friendly church to where it's about... I've, I read a seeker-friendly book last night and it gave the ten laws... The seven, I'm sorry, the seven laws of worship. And all seven laws were for making the people comfortable. And not one of them was about singing and focusing on God. It was all about focusing on people and making sure they're comfortable, they're okay, everything's good for them. But not one of the seven laws was about getting in the presence of God, singing before the throne of God and exalting Him. Not one of this man's laws was about exalting and magnifying the omnipotent name of Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. Give Jesus praise right now. Paul says, I bear in my body the marks. I've gone through it, but I'll go through it again. Because I know my God has delivered, my God will deliver, and I bless God He will yet deliver me. Once again. Can I hear an amen? amen? Woo! Why is all of this happening? Go back with me to Psalms 105. I want you to get ready to put on that other transparency. Psalms chapter 105. 105 verse Here's about Joseph again. And he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters. How I many know, even in the palace, he bore the scars. They placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. This is the New Living Translation. Verse 20. While you're going through this, look at this. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph 
was put in charge of all the king's household and he became ruler of all the king's possessions. Look at 22. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. A man's gift will bring him before important people. Look at this young man who was sold and betrayed. He ended up being thrown within a pit for 12, 13 years. He was in a pit and in a prison. But at the end, he was the second to the largest president or king of that day. And he was able to teach all the advisors. The man of God was able to teach all the advisors, was used for bringing provision and prosperity to that nation to keep feeding the hungry. Why? Because he was willing to be go, go through the character test of the pit to be entrusted with all the royalty of the palace. Go ahead and put up the overhead about the seven mountains. Well, we got a new one for you, but we'll start off with the seven mountains. How many of you know our vision is to encourage each and every one that your gift will bring you before important men, not just in the church, but also in the world. And we've told you about the arts and entertainment mountain that for so long the church has says, you don't want to do that. How? Oh, yes, you do. You want to do it through the anointing of God. And you wonder, why am I going through such a hard time now? It's because God is preparing you for the vision and the dream he's given you. Then we have the business. Go ahead and show them one at a time. Go to the next one. You see the government. How many of you know it takes a true man or woman to go into the mountain of government? You've, the, the more higher we want to go, sometimes the, higher, the, the lower we must go. And to go into government and business. To go into the business mountain. Go, just keep them rolling. To go into the arts and the entertainment mountain. You see them today just falling to pieces. To go into the education mountain. To go into the family mountain. To go into the media mountain. To go into the religion mountain. And what's the eighth mountain? Go ahead. God can use anybody. God can use anybody just as long as you're willing to let the Spirit of God take control of you. Amen. If these guys can impact the entertainment mountain, I know a lot of people in here who could too. <laughs> Listen. He's just looking for a yielded vessel. Okay, go ahead and put it back on the mountains. Those pretty faces, that's enough. God wants to use you. And right now, you came this morning, your car didn't want to start. If you praise the Lord anyway, you're getting ready for a new car. When you go to work and it's like, I don't want to be here. Well, just guess what? Another round in the pit. But if you say, Lord, I'll bless my boss. I'll bless this place. I'll bless the people I work with. Guess what? Instead of being an adder who bites people, you end up being a ladder to help people get out the pit. Instead of just saying, I just hate these circumstances. I want out of this marriage. The Lord says, if you start blessing your wife every day, I'll make your wildest dreams come true. As you learn to bless me in all things, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Look, look at Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. 
man, he, Joseph went through all of these things, but why? God was preparing him to impact the world. You know, that could be people here this morning, people in the children's church, people in the youth, that God is getting ready to use to impact the nations for his glory. Look, at some, it even says in Acts chapter 7, verse 9. In Acts chapter 7, verse 9, the patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph. How many of you know, you know you've got a vision and you know you have a dream that when people who are jealous and envious of you, if you could keep dreaming, even while you are being hated, you're going to make it. If you keep blessing and keep decreeing and keep blessing God and worshiping Him, even when people hate you, you are going to make it. And it says they were jealous of their brother Joseph and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But what happened? But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor. There you go. The mountain of government over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. Can you imagine, could you, do you think Joseph could ever imagine being anywhere but the pit in prison after 13 years? But he held on to his dream even when he was hated and persecuted for it. Proverbs 18.16 says, a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. How many know, look at your neighbor and say, great men and great women need your gift. Come on, tell them, tell them, great men and great women Need your gift. Tell them again. Great men and great women need your gift. You know, God, I, I was, in, was invited to be able to lay hands on our new governor, Bobby Jindal, as he was put into office that day in his inauguration. You know, that was a great honor. I mean, there's a bunch more who could have did it, but God opened that door for me to be one of the four to lay hands on and put them there. That was a great open door. And there's going to be more doors into the government. The thing about it is, is that we, I was tested for 18 years on the mission field, and I thought it was to be a missionary, but it was just to come back and live here in Pineville. I was in a pit for 18 years to prepare me for Pineville. But I got to Pineville, and I found out there was some new pits. And I've been in a bunch of pits, because God's got something great for me up ahead. He keeps preparing and keeps preparing. And that's the same thing for you. You wonder, what am I doing here? Where am I going? I may be divorced. I may be separated. I might have ruined my life. No, you may be going through the pits, but the pits is the open door for promotion. And no matter what you're in or whatever you've been in, it's never the end. It's the building up for one of the best things that God has ever provided and planned for you, even from the beginning of time. Amen. You're marked and the devil wants you just to lose your gifts in the pit because he knows you're going to kick them out right side the head. Joseph told his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. My last scripture here in Isaiah chapter 49. Well, I'm doing good with time. Y'all saw that? Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. We're going to be touching areas. Wounds, hurts, betrayal. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you been left for dead? 
Have you ever felt like nothing ever come? What good can come out of this? But this is what it says in Isaiah 49, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. Listen, O coastlands, to me and take heed, you people, from afar. The Lord has called me, has called you, my brother and sister, from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. At his quiver, he has hidden me. And he said to me, you are my servant in whom I will be glorified. Just receive that in Jesus' name. No matter what hurts and pains you've been through, the Lord is saying to you, you are my servant. In you I will be glorified. This family, we dedicated their baby today. You know, they lost everything in Katrina. They moved from Katrina and had to live with family in Bunky. They had to drive back and forth from Bunky to Alexandria. They went through this and they went through that. The money never seemed like it was going to come in. All the things they went through. But they finally got out of that pit, started their business, and it seemed like another pit. And they were betrayed. They were hurt. They were lied to. All of these other things. But you know what, my brother, my sister? You have gone through the different pits because God has a greater promotion than you've ever accepted. You might have lost everything in New Orleans. You might have come here and it seems like it's no better. And what will happen because of my dreams? But when you're going through the pit, back into the pit, into a prison, it's because God's got a promotion. And they can lie and betray and scheme and curse and all they want to. But they may mean this for evil, but God says, I'll turn it around and I'll make it for my good, say of the Lord. In whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. This is how we speak so many times. I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work and my God. How many times we say, oh, I put so much into that person. I prayed so much for that person. I reached out so much for that person. I paid their, their six months. They were behind on their insurance and the church helped them. Helped them keep their car. Helped them keep their home. Worked and helped them keep their marriage. And now we're the bad guy. But Lord, my just reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now the Lord speaks. Who formed me from the womb to be His servant and bring Jacob back to Him so that Israel is gathered to Him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, He says... And it is a small thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore. Say with me, restore. Say with me, restore. Restore the preserved ones of Israel. And I will also give you the light of the Gentiles and you shall be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth. To cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. That you may say to the prisoners, go forth. And to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall be fed along the roads. 
And their pastures shall be on the desolate heights and they shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat or sun. He talks about the blessings of the Lord. And it says in verse 11, I will make each of my mountains a road, each of my mountains a road and my highway shall be elevated. Surely these shall come from afar. Look, those from the north, the west and these from the land of Shanim. Listen, he's saying restore the word restore there means to return to a place of life. If anything, write that down. The Lord Jesus spoke out as Joseph did. Restore, restore, restore. You may be in an area of a pit. You may be in an area of a cave. You may be in the desert places. But he says, I'm going to restore you to a place of life. And listen to this. The word restore means life that has been stolen. Shout out. It's mine. Restore. I will restore you. A life that has been stolen. The word restore also means redemption. It means our rights being restored. This is what the Lord is trying to say. My rights, your rights, and the righteousness of the blood of my Son shall be restored for you to live in the blessings that I've called you. And even though it seems you have lived in a place of barrenness and of desert, I shall call the desert to become a fruitful field for you, saith the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean you won't go through adversity. You know, I read to you and I showed you some stories about that young wrestler from Alabama that was born with no hands and no feet, but yet he won the championships and was a football player. Y'all remember that? Well, I started reading a new book called The Adversity Advantage. And this is a story about a young man who was going blind. And one day he saw this man who was, had his leg amputated because of cancer running across Canada. And he still had a little bit of sight left. So he walked up to the TV and his sight was so bad he had to put his nose up against the TV. But he could see with his nose up against the TV. And he watched this young man with one uh, artificial leg run across Canada in a marathon. And they were talking about the blisters were so bad. And and where, where the artificial leg was, it was so bad. And they didn't think he could continue. But this man going blind was looking at his face and he said there was something in his face that got a hold of me. There was pain, but yet there was excitement. And he watched that young man, and that young man finished the race with crutches because the blisters were so bad, but he wasn't about to quit. So this young man who was going blind, went blind. Now listen to me. We talk about the seven mountains. This man who is blind has climbed the seven highest mountains of the world blind. And he wrote a book about every summit that he conquered the first blind man ever to climb Everest and all the highest mountains of the world. And he says, adversity made me what I am to climb any adversity in front of me. Here's a man who was blind that said, I'll climb the mountains. You can't see it. Oh, no. But I can feel it. I'm on the mountaintop. And listen, so many people say, I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to accomplish that. Listen, if a blind man can climb the highest mountains of the world, you, my brother and sister, the redeemed and restored of the Lord, can climb out of any pit and climb over any mountain that would be in your way. There are some things I want to leave you with as we finish this morning. This is the third month. This is the month that the law was given. This is the month. Of understanding. The Lord wants to. I'm praying over you that God has given you revelation and knowledge. 
This is the month of divine choices. Enoch and Esau and Jacob. We've got to choose what we will follow, good or evil. But also, we said the word restore. Restoration also means celebration or to dance with defeat. Listen to this. The Bible says to choose. When we obey the Word of God, we are choosing what we want to do. But when we worship, we are choosing who we want to follow. So celebration and restoration means to celebrate and to move in line with God. Also, this is the month not to quit. Say it again. I will not quit. I will not quit. The places of your life that have been pieces shall fall together. The places of your life that have been in pieces shall fall together. Listen to this. Repositioned to a new level. Mercy for completion and a new level of strength to conquer. A new level of strength to conquer. Now listen, I said that the mantle of Joseph is upon this church. People are asking, what happened to this one? What happened to that one? What is going on in the body of Christ? There's such a shifting, such a a, a breaking, such a division. Where's the unity? I, I hear about it all the time. Where's the unity? And the whole nation is disunified. And people are saying, what's going on? We've been preaching on discipleship, and this is what the Lord has spoken to me. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, sold him into slavery because they were not really in covenant with him. The the Bible says that if they were of us, they would be here with us. But because they are not of us, they went from us. This is what I want to share with you that I'm believing for the body of Christ, and I want you to pray this with me. The body of Christ has had the message but has not been the message like the marriage in America has not been covenant marriage. And this is what I mean by that. Sister Kay and I, Sister Judy, Brother Tom and I, were brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, I've had to talk to Brother Tom in my office over serious matters before. But Brother Tom, in over five, six years, has not left the church. You know why? Because in his heart... A church is like a marriage for better or for worse, for sickness or in health, for prosperity or not. I commit to you. And Joseph, even when after 13 years, when his brothers were restored to him, he was able to say, I forgive you and I love you. Why? In sickness and in health, in poverty or in riches, for good or bad, I'm stuck with you and you're stuck with me. You don't like my cologne and I don't like yours. You don't like what I drive and I can't drive what you drive. I can't be like you and you can't be like me. But the problem is that we have had the message, but we haven't lived the message. And just like marriage and church, I'm giving this to you just as the Spirit of God gave it to me. Until we come into a covenant relationship for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, for sickness and health, whatever comes against you, whatever comes against me, I will not fail you, I will not leave you, and I will not abandon you. Except for sin. Sin breaks the covenant. But because my feelings got hurt 
or because it's not what I'm looking for. When you get married, you're married. Shane David has his ring on and he's gained so much weight, his ring doesn't come off. Don't tell him I told you that. But his ring is stuck forever. Why? Because it hasn't been in poverty. It's been for boudin and rice and gravy and all those good things. He's not in here right now, so I can talk about him. But he showed us, you know, I, I can take my ring off and my wife don't like this, but I play with it on the table sometimes. But, but I have my ring. But he can't take it off. And that's what has been happening in this church. Before we can go to the marriage supper of the Lamb in glory, we have to have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the church. There is no time for reconciliation at the sound of the trumpet. He said He's coming back for a glorious church. So the more we've been thrown in the pit and the more we've been betrayed and lied about everything that Joseph has went through, we've been going through. Why? To make the core closer and make the church the message as well as the body that has the message. We're not only word of grace. We are grace. We are the word made flesh. And when you see a purging and you see the Spirit of God doing a work, it's because God is marrying the body together that we can be one. And that we can say, there's no getting rid of me. I have people tell me, Pastor, ain't no getting rid of me. I'm here. I may not agree with everything. I may not like everything. You may be a pain but you know, in marriage, there's, there's a lot of good days. And there are a few days. Like Sister Graham says, divorce, never thought about it. Murder, yes. But if you ask me, Pastor, what's on your heart? It's that this body gets married. So we can impact the world. And the Lord says, you've gone through the test. Now I want you to take the mountains. I want you to take all these mountains. I'm going to promote you to be my glory to all the earth. That's a high calling. It's a tough job. But I believe we can do it. You're not getting rid of me. And I hope I'm not getting rid of you. So that we could come together in that oneness. You can't betray, Joseph says, you cannot betray me enough for me to separate myself from you as my brother. You want me to tell you something about betrayal? I know I've got to end. Let me tell you something about betrayal. Do you know that it was Judah who wanted to kill Joseph? His brother Judah wanted to kill Joseph. Do you know it was Judah who said, let's throw him in the pit? And do you know it was Judah who sold him to the Egyptians. Why was it the same man who wanted to betray him that hard? It was because Judah had secret sin. And his first two sons, two sons out of three died because their sons, his sons fell into the same sin with Canaanite women. 
The first one got killed. The second one got killed. And so he thought he would cheat and rob Tamar, his daughter-in-law, from a blessing for conceiving. But she was smart. And she put a defra- uh, she put a costume on, and she acted like a prostitute. And it wasn't Jacob's son that he it wasn't Judah's son that he protected from the prostitute. It was Judah himself that went to the prostitute and said, "How much, baby?" And she said, "A goat." So he gave her a goat, and she says, "I want your ring, your signet ring." He gave her his signet ring. I want your staff. He gave her his staff. She got pregnant by Judah. Well, the day came. He heard she was pregnant. He says, bring her here. I'm going to burn her alive. She's a sinner. I'm going to burn her alive. They bring Tamar. They they want to tie her up. And she says, before you burn me, I've got two things to show you. The father of my child is the owner of the signet ring and the owner of the staff. And Judah says, she is more righteous than me. Don't burn her. Judah gave his ring to a prostitute. Joseph received the ring of Pharaoh. The reason he wanted to betray Joseph so bad was because Joseph, the righteous one, reminded him of his sin. When somebody reminds me of my wrong, I want that person out of my sight. Because You remind me, you are more righteous than me. And what's going to stir this world up is when the body of Christ walks around and the sinners start yelling out, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something in you and upon you that makes me feel like I need to ask you to pray for me or what God do you serve? And I believe even the Islams in America are going to be able to end up seeing that we are so sold out and on fire for our God that they're going to cry out, my God does not impact me like your God does you. And that we will remind the world of their sin because the purity of the heart of the body of Christ. Amen, church. Let's stand upon our feet.